what is our perception of reality? How do we perceive the world to be? Who's in control and who's not? Now, certainly these are answerable questions, for we have our own perceptions of how things are based on how we see them. But is it possible that our perceptions are wrong? Or that maybe we're looking at it from the wrong vantage point? I believe that's the question we must ask ourselves today. Now, one of my favorite artists is a Dutch artist by the name of M.C. Escher, who is best known for his illusions that make us wonder what is really happening. Some of his drawings have been coined impossible drawings because of the three-dimensional quality that makes us wonder what is really true. I'm not sure if you're familiar with any of his work, so I thought this morning I might show you a few pieces of his art to explain what I'm talking about. The first drawing that you will see is entitled Drawing Hands. And as you can see, there are two hands both drawing each other's wrists. Which hand is real and is drawing the other? Our next drawing is entitled Hand in Reflecting Sphere. And as you can see, we have two ways of seeing this. From the standpoint of looking at the mirror as it's being held, and from the image in the mirror looking back at us. And the last image is entitled Relativity. And it challenges us to think about which way the stairs are actually going. Are they ascending or are they descending? Which way is truly up? Many of Escher's drawings give us pause because we recognize that we can see things from differing perspectives. And so as we begin our new sermon series this Advent season on the songs of Christmas, we begin by looking at Mary's song, better known as the Magnificat, which also challenges our perspectives of what is real. But before we jump into her song, I want to take a minute to kind of lay the context of what is going on. Mary is a very young peasant girl from the poor town of Nazareth who happens to be engaged to a blue-collar worker by the name of Joseph. In that time, Mary was just another insignificant person living in an insignificant town. And despite her socioeconomic circumstances, she is chosen by God to birth the Savior of the world. And so God lets her know about this as he sends his messenger, the angel Gabriel, to announce this crazy and miraculous news to her. Now, as you can imagine, she's quite caught off guard by this visitor and bewildered at what Gabriel tells her. And she responds to them, well, how would this be since I am a virgin, she asks. Gabriel tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her And that the power of the Most High will overshadow her. And then he lets her in on a little secret that her relative Elizabeth in her old age is also going to have a baby. Even though she's really too old to conceive. And then he leaves her with this. No word from God will ever fail. And then he disappears. 
Now, I'm sure that Mary is excited to hear of Elizabeth's news, for she knows that she and Zechariah have been trying to have a child for many, many years and been unable to do that. But the question is, how does she perceive her own pregnancy? Is she excited about it? Or is she scared to death, scared of what Joseph might do or even what others might think of her? How will people believe that she is pregnant because God is doing something through the Holy Spirit? Who is going to believe that message? And if her fiancé Joseph leaves her, people will brand her as an adulterer. Or even if he stays with her, they will assume that they've both been promiscuous and broken God's law. You see, Mary is really in a tough spot here, one that she hasn't asked for, And yet she responds to Gabriel, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I guess everything is a matter of perspective, isn't it? So Mary packs up her bags and she travels about 80 miles or so to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. And upon arriving at the home, she greets Elizabeth and the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Then Elizabeth herself is filled with the Holy Spirit and acknowledges that she knows that Mary is having a baby too. And she cries out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. So in this really short chapter of Luke, we have two impossible possibilities taking place. Elizabeth isn't young like Mary. Menopause has set in and the hopes of having a child has been long been forgotten for her. Yet God has made the impossible possible for her and for Zechariah, sending the same angel, Gabriel, to announce this news to Zechariah as he's serving God in the temple. And then there's Mary, this young, poor, peasant virgin. She is pregnant and not just having any baby. God has chosen her to birth the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus. And God has chosen both of these women to bear children who will prepare the way for the Lord, for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So this intimate and holy interaction with Elizabeth, which, by the way, makes no sense at all since she had no idea that Mary was even pregnant, leads Mary to burst out into a song of praise. And so Mary praises God for what he has done for her but what he has done for all who fear him and for remembering his promises to Israel. Instead of worrying about what Joseph or others will think about her, she praises God for choosing her to be a part of his divine plan. And so she cries out, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant." From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. Mary doesn't elevate herself above others, but she gives glory to God alone for what God alone is doing in and through her. And it's only by God's grace that she has been chosen to carry the Son of God. And as she sings this song, she breaks out into a refrain. 
She refrains, he has, he has, he has. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary sings of the goodness and the greatness of God. He has done these things in the past. But what about now? You see, that's the problem, isn't it? What about the present? Remember, as we read this story, there is something else going on during this time. Israel itself is being occupied by a foreign country, Rome. And they have come in and they are oppressing the people who live there. They are overtaxing the people who live there. And anyone who speaks out or who defies Caesar's commands will be beaten or possibly even killed. Maybe God has done these things in the past, but to many during the time that Mary finds herself pregnant with the Son of God, many people believe that God seems distant and far from their present situation. The proud are exalted, not humbled. The rich get richer rather than getting sent away empty. Unfortunately, the poor get poor and the lowly get forgotten about. It would be easy to hear Mary's song and think of only what God has done in the past. And you know, truth be told, I think it's somewhat easy for us to have the same type of perspective. I mean, if we just look around our world today, it can be quite depressing, can it? Politics in our country has become so polarized that violence and hateful speech has become the new normal for how we do things together. Rather than working together, politicians paint each party as the demon, as the other, and they do anything possible to stifle any policy that might be passed that could be beneficial to the whole nation. But it's not just our politicians. The violence and vehement rhetoric trickle down to the people who allow themselves to be infiltrated with hate rather than civility towards those in their community. We look around and racism continues to permeate our society as if God loves one color or race over another. COVID-19 rages on as we continue to see a thousand people per day in our country die from this virus. And oh, guess what? Just this weekend, a new variant has popped up in South Africa. And so we're shutting down transportation to these countries in fear that this variant may find its way here. And who knows? Is this variant able to escape our vaccines or not? Are we looking at the possibility of going back to where we were two years ago? In the midst of that, our economy struggles as inflation rises, hurting the poorest among us even worse. And then there's the justice system, which some some days appears to be completely unjust, all too often letting the guilty go free. And in the midst of all of this, we wonder, where is God in all of this? Where's that strong arm that parted the Red Sea so long ago and freed those Israelites from slavery? When does God exalt the humble and humble the proud as he did so long ago? When will God feed the hungry with good things and send the rich away empty? 
It's almost like we're staring at these M.C. Escher drawings, but only seeing one perspective when there's another to be seen. And so Mary, Mary sings a song that isn't just about what God has done in the past, but what God is about to do in the present and in the future. You see, whatever God has done in the past, God will do again through this child who is in her womb. You see, in Jesus, there is hope to be found. In Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. In Jesus, the hungry will be filled with good things. In Jesus, the lowly will be raised up and the proud will be humbled. In Jesus, the rich will be sent away empty only when they refuse to let go of their riches for the treasure of God's kingdom. Jesus turns the world upside down, or maybe, just maybe, he turns the world right side up the way in which it was intended from the very beginning by God. So Mary and Elizabeth give us hope that amid a world where the poor struggle, where the powerful remain in control because of violence, and where the most insignificant are always overlooked, that God has not forgotten us and that he is coming to right what is wrong. Their voices remind us of the goodness of God's grace because he has chosen the powerless to be a part of his unending promise to Abraham. And Elizabeth's baby leaps for joy because even in utero, he knows that Jesus is coming to deliver us from the destruction of sin that permeates and corrupts the good world that God made. There is another perspective to be seen even when One seems to dominate our minds. You see, we are not writing our own stories. God is writing them. And God has already finished writing it. We are not simply staring into a spherical mirror devoid of all hope. But God is looking at us and ready to act. In fact, the staircase isn't about us ascending up to God. Rather, God has flipped the script and the staircase is coming down and God is entering into our world To be with us. But the issue is we have to open our eyes to see it from a different perspective. To see it the way God sees it. You see Mary declares he has helped his servant Israel remembering to be merciful. But honestly I don't think this is the best translation. It's better translated he has taken Israel his child by the hand remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. God has taken us by our hands and is leading us to see his goodness, his justice, and his righteousness in the world. And this little baby, this little baby Jesus will grow up to show everyone what it means to follow in God's ways, by the way that he loves everyone, by the way that he extends mercy and forgiveness to those who don't deserve it, and the way that he brings healing to the sick and frees the oppressed, and by the way in which he gives of himself in every situation. Mary is right to sing a song of praise to the Lord. For she is able to see beyond her own circumstances to the goodness of God entering into humanity in order to make humanity holy. As the prophet Micah foretells, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach the end of the earth. Jesus. 
Jesus will shepherd his people by taking them by the hand and leading them in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. But do you believe this? Do you perceive it? Do you see it? Today, as we begin the season of Advent, we light this first candle and we call it the candle of hope. That candle is a sign that Jesus has come to bring hope in the midst of the darkness. Hope in the midst of injustice. Hope in the midst of oppressive forces that seek to hold us captive. And you and I can look at our circumstances from the standpoint of doom and gloom, having a perspective that there's no hope to be found, or we can rejoice like Mary despite our circumstances that God is faithful and that God sees us and that he comes for us so that we might see his goodness and glory in this world. We too can sing a song of praise that gives glory to the Lord for who has done great things for each and every one of us, who has done great things for all who fear him in every single age and who holds our hand and keeps his promises forever. We can sing this song knowing that God is in control even when it appears that he is not, confident that in God's perfect timing he will right all wrongs and turn this world right side up once and for all. You see, Mary, Mary sang this song not knowing what the future held, but she trusted in the one who holds the future. Friends, my prayer is that we would do the same as we welcome Jesus to be born once again into a world that desperately needs a Savior. May our souls glorify and magnify the Lord, rejoicing in God our Savior, who has looked upon us too. Friends, may it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.